You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we are live. We're running a little bit behind tonight. We'll let the stream breathe for a minute, for a second. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him, you love him. He's Zach Kalberman. And, Zach, we're, you know, we schedule this top of the hour. We're half an hour late. But, gang, when we're this late, you got to believe there's always a reason for it. Technical issues, unfortunately. Sometimes when you're doing things remotely like this, as we learned last week, sometimes you're at the at the mercy of internet providers and things like that. So, yeah. uh, Zach, it's good to see you, though, bro. Better late than never. You as well. I appreciate you guys hanging in there. It's tough, you know, when we do this, like you said, in two different locations. If this was uh, an on-site thing, we'd work it out better. But uh, thank you guys again for your patience and hanging in there. We have an awesome show planned tonight. Hope you guys like it. Yeah, it's going to be a good conversation. We're looking forward to it, my friends. We're going to talk about... A, you know, it's listen, we're sitting here halfway through June, not a whole lot of new stuff to talk about, relatively speaking. It's not often that we're going to turn to uh, an article or a ranking by Bleacher Report and utilize that as a topic for conversation, but it's worthy of our focus tonight because it brings into uh, the question what the Broncos have done to improve the supporting cast around Drew Locke and hashtag build that net. So we're going to get to that. But gang, just really quick, a couple of quick matters of business. I just want to remind everybody how to connect with us, all of our new listeners and viewers on YouTube, on Periscope, on Facebook. Make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. While you're doing it, make sure you also follow at Mile High Huddle. And gang, if you're in a position, check out HuddleUpPod.com. Get your swag on. Get yourself one of these hats. There's Mile High Huddle hoodies. There's Huddle Up Podcast. Uh, mugs and face masks, a little something for everybody, male, female, a little something for each one of you out there to not only rep MHH, rep the Broncos and your standing in this community. So if you're in a position, check that out. And if not, it's all good, you guys. We're just happy to have you here. The three things you can do right here. This is what you do. If you're not in a position to hit the, the merch store, just make sure you're subscribed. Do not forget to like the video. And if you really love what Zach and I are doing for you, hit that share button and let your friends and your family members and your followers on social media in on what we got cooking here at Mile High Huddle. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Zach. So let me jump into this. Uh, Actually, before we do that, 
since we had so many of our great listeners chilling very patiently, let's just do a quick shout out. Terry, Zeus, we got Charlie, we got Glenn, we got Gary, we got Big E, we got Derek, we got, I thought I saw Christy, we got KP in the house, there's Shooter. I thought I saw Christy early, but I might have been tripping on that. Either way, gang, it's good to see all of you guys in the stream. Zach as well. We're going to get to Zach's super chat here in just a second. First, though, I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Zach, because, again, it's not often we turn to Bleacher Report for inspiration uh, for programming purposes for the podcast or for you know written content at milehighhuddle.com, but it's that time of the year as content creators and people that cover your team where we really do kind of have to scrape the bottom of the barrel. But Christopher Knox, Zach, he's a good, he's a, he's a, he knows what he's talking about over a Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report's na- uh, original content has improved over the last few years compared to where it was like when, even when MHH started way back when Bleacher Report did not have a good reputation for original content. They were, it was straight aggregation. You subscribe to the stream, yeah. you get a bunch of Broncos, or whatever your favorite team is, content articles from around the web in the stream. But they have focused, I think, a little bit more in in hiring a few guys who are well-placed, knowledgeable analysts. And Christopher Knox, I think Zach appears to be one. Now, in relation to tonight's topic, what he said is he went through all 32 teams, all 32 prospective starting quarterbacks, and ranked the supporting cast around all 32 quarterbacks. In the case of Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos, they checked in on Knox's list at number 10. And I want to read some of his analysis on this, Zach, but just off the cuff, your not so much reaction, but your initial impulse to the fact that the Broncos are now being viewed by at least some out there with a national perspective as having a top 10 offense in terms of talent. I always like to know in those situations, who are they ahead of and who are they behind of? Regardless, though, of that ranking, it's encouraging that people see in the national scope, even though it's Bleacher Report, even though they have that reputation for not really being the the Ian Rappaports or the Adam Schefters of the world, they have enough wherewithal to see the Broncos roster on paper. And yes, it's still on paper, but it is, I think, all things considered, with all the go down the list of weapons, you have Drew Locke, it's encouraging, exciting offense. I think top 10 placement is pretty valid. I wouldn't go top five, wouldn't say top three. They're not the next greatest show on turf just yet. But more and more we see now. Chad Johnson said it with the Broncos having, in his opinion, three number one wide receivers. Knox believes they have a top 10 supporting cast. And I saw a ranking on OTB Sports, I believe it's called, that Drew Locke was number the, the 13th overall quarterback in their power rankings. So if they have 13th ranked quarterback play, they're going to be in the playoffs. If they have a top 10 supporting cast on offense, they're going to be in the playoffs. If these predictions come to reality, they are going to be a 10-win team this season. So I like that there are more and more people are getting on that bandwagon based on what they see on paper. So you bring up a good point. Who's ranked where on this list at Bleacher Report? Yeah. I'll just run through it really quickly. <clears throat> Knox had the Chiefs, no surprise, ranked number one for Patrick Mahomes. Followed by, interestingly enough, you brought him up yesterday, or the Browns up, Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield at number two. Then it goes to Drew Brees and the Saints at three. Then it's Tom Brady and the Bucks at four, which I I guess I can see. I'm, I would question that placement a little bit. They don't have a running back. Right. Dak Prescott and the Cowboys at five. That one I definitely understand. Uh, Tyrod Taylor and the Los Angeles Chargers at six. Now, this what? is where you begin to lose me, my dog, is, yeah. look, he That's says, crazy. let me just read this. The Los Angeles Chargers will presumably roll with journeyman quarterback Tyrod Taylor rather than rookie Justin Herbert to open the season. Let's see. Hold on. Par- Chargers parted ways with Mel- uh, running back Melvin Gordon, but still have Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson in their backfield. And here's his main – here's how he sums it up. The versatility and pass-catching ability of Eckler – who had 92 receptions for almost 1,000 yards and eight TDs last season, should set the stage for Taylor to succeed. Taylor has been at his best when ta- uh, taking what the defense gives him, and Eckler is an elite dump-off target perfectly suited to that approach. With Williams, Allen, and Henry stretching the field, the Chargers could have an offense capable of keeping pace with the Chiefs in the AFC West. What are you talking about, dude? Is he what a Chargers fan? about? Oh, ridiculous. I have no idea. I don't know. So six, real quick, real quick. Six, uh, seven is wow. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. 
Um, then you have Josh Allen and the Bills at eight. Last one here, Matt Ryan and the Falcons at nine. I question that one a little bit as well. And then you have Locke and the Broncos at 10. So that's that's... your top 10. A couple of real head scratchers in that list, though, Zach. Yeah, I can't get over the Chargers placement. I mean, just having Tyrod Taylor alone, that's a bottom-end quarterback. And Justin Jackson, is he suddenly the next great? Is he Earl Campbell part two? Why are they lauding him in that favor? Um, I don't know about that. No Saints on that list, though. I thought that was surprising. I, no, I Saints, mean, Saints are on it. Drew Brees and the Saints, I think they were they were third. They were right before okay, okay. the Chargers. Still a Baker Mayfield number two, Chargers mm-hmm. on there. I, I, I question also uh, Josh Allen and the Bills. I mean, they have... Stephon Diggs, they have a couple weapons, but I wouldn't put it all together. I don't know. All I can know is from the Broncos' point of view, number 10, theoretically, they deserve that spot. But the Chargers, that's like 16th, 17th. That is nowhere near top 10. You don't have a proven – now I get it. It's supporting cast, but you don't have the proven quarterback. Tyrod Taylor is, even as a journeyman, leaves much to be desired. I mean, he's like – I guess you can maybe consider him a slightly above-average fail-safe you know, Band-Aid type, but still, dude, they're the Chargers supporting cast. And this goes out to my buddy, Pat Burns, who might be listening to this, one of my close friends who grew up as a Chargers fan. So we go at it from, you know, time to time. No offense to you, Pat, if you're listening. But the Chargers having, where do, where can you, ju- how can you justify the Chargers having the supporting cast that's even better than the Broncos, let alone some of those other teams better than, <clears throat> excuse me, the Cowboys, even the Cowboys, like, mm. Give me a break. But Zach, for the sake of being thorough, let me just read to you what his, what this Knox fella, his rationale for the Broncos at 10. Let me, let me just read this real quick quote. The Denver Broncos are betting big on second year quarterback Drew Locke, which is why they used their first two draft picks on wideouts, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler in April, along with budding star Cortland Sutton. The two rookies have the potential to give Denver one of the better receiver trios in the AFC. At tight end, the Broncos have second-year man Noah Fant, who racked up 562 yards and three scores on 40 catches last season. He is an explosive pass catcher with the physical tools needed to have a Travis Kelsey or George Kittle-type impact on Denver's offense. Between Phillip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, the Broncos were already fairly solid at running back. The addition of Melvin Gordon pushes this supporting cast into the top 10. Locke could be in store for a significant sophomore year jump if Hamler and Judy can approach their rookie ceilings. The latter, that's Judy, may quickly develop into Locke's most reliable option in the passing game. Last thing, in 20 years of doing this, or excuse me, the Broncos have put Locke in position to succeed in 2020. Then he quotes Todd McShay of Judy, quote, in 20 years of doing this, Judy is the best college route runner I've ever seen. So everything he says there, for the most part, I I don't disagree with really anything other than the notion that Melvin Gordon is what puts this into the top – Melvin Gordon's not what puts this group, Zach, if into it, top 10 consideration. It's what they did with Jerry Judy. It's what they did with KJ Hamler. It's the year two jump you expect to see from Noah Fant. It's the year three jump you expect to see from Cortland Sutton. And what they did also in terms of the interior bolstering it with Graham Glasgow and Lloyd Cushenberry. You know, it's it's kind of contradictory what he's saying. He, he, the, the loss of Melvin Gordon can be replaced by Justin Jackson, but the addition of Melvin Gordon is going to make the Broncos a top 10 offense. It's like, <laughs> which one? Pick a side here with Melvin Gordon. It's I don't know. I'm starting to think he's a Chargers fan. I mean, the only yeah. it's the only reason why you have them in the top 10 is the same reason why Nick Wright predicted 3 of 13 for Denver because he's a Chiefs fan. So maybe there's some bias at play. It just seems a little contradictory uh, from Knox. But, uh, you know, at this point, Chad, June 15th, nothing going on right now. Yeah, it's exactly. Worth, worth having a roast session. Yeah, and it's it's worth talking about with our friends in the community here as we're live, our great community of Mile High Huddle on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and the, the slowly growing community on Twitch. It's worthy of just imagine us showing up, you know, after work, at the bar, we're hanging out. We're all having a quick drink after everyone turned in their work day. This is the topic. This is what we're talking about today, right? That's we're, we're just basically talking about what came across our radar. Let's grab this super chat from one of our superstars, Zachary's Web Design. Really appreciate that Thank support, you. Zach. He says, I have a question. So if the Broncos go 11 and 5 or 10 and 6 and we do make the playoffs, will Locke and our Broncos quit getting criticism? Also, I believe we will win 11 as our D is stacked and also our offense is great. So really interesting. And Zach, again, really appreciate you. Hope everything's 
going, well, I know you've been fighting a bug, my friend. We're, we're connected on social media. So I hope you're doing okay and better anyways. But Zach, to get back to what he's asking here, if the Broncos end up winning double-digit games, we assume they're in the playoffs. That's when I think everyone basically turns in their, you know, they, they have to give them credit. They have to give them the props. Criticism, though, no one's immune from criticism. They're always going to get criticism. This is the league. I mean, media is here to, to critique. That's always going to be a part of this thing. But I think the general feeling that fans have this offseason of kind of being slept on a little bit or being viewed as a dark horse or any of that, well, of course, if they end up winning double digits, that's all, that's all hindsight. Some will get on the bandwagon, but there's always going to be that sect of haters. Broncos bias or not, there's going to say, well, it's, it could be a fluke. Drew Locke had a fluke season. It was a fluke. Yeah. They're going to come with all these excuses and rationalizations and justifications for why the Broncos can't do it. Now, if they win 2020, they win 11 games, they follow up in 2021 with 12 or 13 wins, then yeah, they'll be known as a bona fide, legit, established contender. I happen to think, though, they are the underrated team right now. They are the slept on team right now. They are the hashtag let them hate team. That's where we want them. But if they win 11 games, you have to look in the mirror and say, it's a first year starting quarterback for a full 16 game season. Uh, Vic Fangio in his second year establishing his culture. They had the weapons long-term and short-term to succeed. You're going to see a lot more Broncos fans pop up, but there's never going to get rid of or dispel that Broncos bias. There's always going to be the Nick Wrights of the world, the Adam ranks of the world who just cannot see for one re- reason or another that they are a good team. I'm not worried about that. They win 11 games this year. I don't care who says what, Chad. Right. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey, guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I am inclined to agree with you on that 100%. Let's also grab one of our Mount Rushmore superstars. Really appreciate you, David, Thank jumping you, in man. with the $10 super. And by the way, I hope you got my email yes last night. If not, go check that out. He says, I uh, saw on Good Morning Football this morning that they think the Broncos will make a trade for a cornerback. Do you guys see this happening? Zach, long have we lamented the Broncos cornerback situation. I mean, look, it's not that they didn't do anything to upgrade the the unit this offseason after letting Chris Harris walk. AJ Bouye is a solid addition. Michael Ojemudia is a premium round draft pick. But because Bryce Callahan still remains an mostly unknown quantity, we're, we've been a little bit worried still that that might end up being an Achilles. And yet you have – Vic Fangio saying, look, this is the year that the young guys got to step it up. And I've got my eye on two guys who I think are going to be doing that. Is that Devontae Bosby? Is that Isaac Yadam? Is that Devontae Harris? Is it Duke Dawson? We don't know for sure yet. But do you think if good morning football is spitballing the idea of trading to acquire a corner, do you see it happening? I mean, this is something that we've been pushing for months now with Mukamara and Logan Ryan, all those people that were on the open market. It didn't happen, so it would lead me to believe that the Broncos are letting that situation play out, and it could be one of those areas where they're the sum of all their parts, Chad. They have a lot of cornerbacks, the ones that you mentioned. They have a solid guy in Boye who they they think is going to be solid and can revert back to Pro Bowl form. They used a high-round pick on a cornerback. They have Bosby coming back. Adam's still a project there. They have... Um, Harris and they have Duke Dawson. They have a lot of young players, and I think the Broncos are counting on Vic Fangio developing them the same way he develops safeties, the same way he develops uh, linebackers like AJ Johnson, linemen like Mike Purcell. They are counting on Vic Fangio having what's known as the Fangio bump effect on these cornerbacks. I wouldn't rule it out sometime in training camp at the preseason if there's an injury or these these guys are falling flat on their face. But for now, I think they're going to roll into camp with the players they have on the roster. If they didn't yeah. sign one when Amuka Mara was available, they're not going to do it now. And also, in a sense, it's hard not to fault them somewhat in terms of we've, we're worried about the depth, but they have, since the draft ended, they've maintained that you know they're good until, until they see these guys out on the field. They feel like, and, and, and they can measure whether or not the guys that they're hoping take the step 
actually are looking like they're going to take the step. It's hard. It's hard to fault them for not jumping the gun at this point because they haven't, I mean, these coaches haven't been able to get hands on these players yet, right? This is, you know, an unprecedented year. The only thing that we really have to kind of compare with 2020 is the 2011 lockout. So in that sense, they're in a holding pattern. July 28th is when we expect to see the coaches and players finally united on the field when training camp opens. So I think Zach, if anything, they're going to budget a little bit of that remaining cap space that they have after they get the rookies all signed up. I, I think it's going to be somewhere around 10 million off the top of my head. They can open up another four and a half if they part ways with Jeff Hireman, which we consider to be fate accomplished. I mean, it's just a matter of course at some point, you know, it's, it's not guaranteed, but I really do think it's very likely. And then you got a little Evan Mathis money and maybe it doesn't go to the offensive line like it did in 2015 for Evan Mathis. Maybe it goes to a corner if things aren't shaping up the way the coaches hoped it would. I would much rather the Broncos put that money toward offensive line. I mean, you literally don't have a competent backup behind your starters. You can say that at least for the cornerback group, Chad. You have starters. You have backups. However good they are remains to be seen, but you do have some depth there. The Broncos literally do not have depth at tackle. A hobbled Wilkinson is not depth. They should sign a tackle. We've been saying it. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I would put tackle over cornerback for the immediate need. This is a real concern that James brings up here because you're seeing how the MLB and the MLB Players Union are battling right now. Things are not over revenue and over expected losses that the owners of the Major League Baseball teams are wanting to pass on those losses because of the projection of not being able to have fans or at least a curtailed number of fans, a fraction of what they would normally have. They want the players naturally to share in some of that step back financially that everyone's going to have to absorb as a result of this pandemic might be for just 2020 might end up being another year might be a couple of years before this thing bounces back to where the sports leagues were before they decided to shut down James saying here. So potentially due to the, you know what the pandemic word that we shall not use on this podcast. If the NFL goes ahead with no crowds cap space rises to 40, uh, 48% as percentage of league revenue, NFL could lose $3 billion resulting in cap loss per team of $40.8 million. So if that is how it ends up shaking out, and I really don't think it will, I really don't think it will. I think by the time we get to the season, look, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a, an expert. Just the way things seem to be moving, I'm inclined to believe that there will be fans in the stands. It might be a fraction, Zach, but even if it, it's a fraction, you're at least going to, the owners are at least going to have that revenue. But if it's not 100% of the pie that they're used to getting, it will affect the salary cap, hopefully not to the tune of $40.8 million lower in 2021. But if that's the way it shakes out, Zach, I mean, players are just going to have to accept it for maybe a year, two, three-year window. There's a possibility that those massive you know, uh, record-setting deals that are getting handed out like Dak, he might not get that $35 million or whatever right. if this is taking place a year from now, et cetera. I think it's it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that teams are going to lose some sort of money this season, Chad, because even if there is 100% capacity, you still have to factor in the fans that are scared to go out in public. They're scared to congregate. They, they, don't, they were hit hard economically. They can't afford tickets. You have to factor in real-life scenarios. So I think teams should expect one way or the other to not um, anticipate the same profits like you did in years past. That being said, though, the football and the NFL is in such better hands than Major League Baseball. Say what you want about Roger Goodell. Rob Manfred is the worst commissioner in all of sports, and he's one of the worst commissioners I've seen in quite some time. The way they're handling this, pawning it off on the fans, pawning it off on the players, taking no responsibility. Uh, they are sabotaging themselves from the inside, and they don't have the popularity like football. They don't have the revenue stream like football. Football is king in the United States. So even if there is some residual effect of the of the issue going on right now, they can weather any storm just based on how profitable football is. Yeah, and that's very true. And the biggest thing, guys, that you have to consider on this is that the NFL leads the way on so many different fronts. Not only, as Zach said, are they the 800-pound gorilla when it comes to the American pro sports landscape, but look what they did in the face of mass – extreme criticism and pushback from uh, we'll call them the blue checkmark brigade. They decided to stay on pace with free agency. 
They found a way to work around the restrictions that the word that shall go unnamed laid on everybody in terms of not being able to travel, in terms of not being able to get guys in for scratch and sniffs and for, you know, um, physicals and recruitment trips and all that. They worked around it. And then the draft, they did the exact same thing. They executed flawlessly a virtual draft and thumbed their nose in, in the faces of the that criticism. Because of that and because of the way things are trending with the word that shall go unnamed, I do believe that the NFL is going to they're, – they're a lot more inclined to take a step forward and, and, and continue with the season or let fans in or whatever their decision ends up being in the face of what is sure to be doubters, criticism – haters in different form, different sectors of the American media landscape, not just sports media, but media landscape. The NFL will take those fiery darts, Zach, because they know, as you just alluded to in your last remark, they are king of the hill. Yeah, they don't care. They know the money's coming in one way or the other. So if they lose stadium revenue and box office revenue, they can make it up with the TV contracts, Chad, which are just ballooning every single season. You don't have that type of money being thrown around in baseball. Where NFL got lucky, though, was when this happened, the issue happened, it wasn't in their season yet. Every other sport was either in season or about to start. That being said, again, though, the way that MLB and Manford has handled this week by week by week has been just downright disastrous. It's like they don't know how to market their own sports or their fans. They wonder why it's taking a backseat to football. It's no longer America's pastime. That's the NFL. And Roger Goodell, he's far from perfect. He's in a lot of crappy things as commissioner, but even he cannot screw up how profitable and how monstrous the NFL has become. They are truly king of the mountain. Stu, jumping in, Zeus McPeak himself with a $10 super. Really appreciate you. you, my friend, especially after how generous you were on last night's pod. Really appreciate you, bro. He says, hi, guys. Email me an address where I can send your airplanes. So he he's, means it. He actually wants to send. <laughs> Look, dude, Stu, I will do that. Okay, we'll both do it. But I will put your plane right behind me, right up there on that shelf or right here in prime position for our community to see that bad boy so we'll get right on that after this podcast man and zach as you can see it's starting to develop some decoration behind him on the on the shelf and that plane i can see it right now it'll look beautiful right over my right shoulder it's gonna be right there Stu. that nice plane so if, you, if you're serious about that we, we definitely will reach out and we, that's that's awesome of you we, we appreciate it and i'm looking forward yep. to uh seeing uh what's in store we will get that done all right let's see what else we got here buana if you got something queued up there's Mike. So consistent. Really appreciate you, my friend. You. Bonafide superstar working his way up to Mount Rushmore status here at Mile High Huddle. Mike Evans, $5 super. He says, top 10 offense means playoffs, baby. And there's a lot of truth to that. You take a top 10 offense. I mean, the Broncos, you know, they kind of under underwhelmed in terms of what people probably expected from the mad scientist, you know, the evil genius wizard that Vic Fangio is perceived to be. As a defensive guru, it took some some time getting up to speed. There were some losses in terms of Bradley Chubb, Bryce Callahan. Things weren't exactly lining up perfectly the way Fangio and Elway hoped that it would or expected and planned around. However, by the time the season ended, they had kind of found their groove, and the one thing that they could hang their hat on was that red zone defense, number one red zone defense. They would give up yards between the 20, but once opponents got into inside the 20, man, they – shut them down. And so that to me, Zach, is an encouraging, I think, harbinger for what year two is going to be for Fangio and the Broncos defense. And the reason I'm talking defense here for for you, Mike, is because you take a top 10 offense, you team it up with even anywhere within the top 10 as a defense, you're winning a lot of ball games, Zach. Yeah, that's exactly my point. And what I like is also it takes the pressure away from the defense. They don't have to be a top three unit. They don't have to carry the team. They know the offense can pull their own weight. And after so many years, the last half decade of bottom barrel offensive rankings, top 10 offense is an easy 9, 10, 11 win season. I said that about a top 13 quarterback play from Drew Locke. A top 10 offense, all things considered, maybe a top five defense. You're talking about a very formidable, scary playoff opponent that not a lot of teams would want to face top 10 is 
also doable. It's not just pie in the sky. It's not when Keenum got here, we thought that they're going to be a whole new revolution. This is the new age Broncos offense and all the parts they have, all the pieces they have, top 10 ranking and supporting cast, 13 overall in quarterback play. If they get anywhere even near 10, 11, 12, 13, just the top half of the league, they are going to be in the playoffs. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. James here laughing about the Atlanta Falcons being ranked ninth on the Bleacher Report list. We are laughing. They're mostly basing their prediction on Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, talking now about the Chargers, and Hunter Henry staying healthy. They ranked them fourth last year. Oh, that's news to me. I didn't know that, James. Um, but, yeah, it's it's it. then putting the Chargers that high, whoever that dude's editor is, all due respect, takes away from the credibility of everything else that you put on that 32 team ranking. So the other 31 positions. Now we all have to question your wherewithal. And I say this after I complimented the dude up front, I've read some of his stuff. He knows he seems to be a solid writer. And then he puts the chargers at number four supporting cast offense in the NFL. Give me a break, dude. And like you said, his arguments collapsed in on themselves by virtue of the Melvin Gordon garbage in garbage out getting out. They call it. <laughs> Ridiculous. I could see it with Phillip Rivers. He's an elite top end quarterback, but Tyrod Taylor, I mean, having what was it, six overall, Chad? That's that's a Chargers fan right there. Four. For for this year? Uh let me let me double check it. Make sure I'm not tripping here. Regardless, though, top ten, there's no way with Tyrod Taylor. Oh, you're right. You're right. They were six. My bad. Yeah. Still though. Fourth last year and sixth this year. That's his editor or the guy itself who wrote it is definitely a Chargers fan. There's no other rationale for it. Clayton, appreciate that, my friend, jumping in to let us know on Facebook. We always love hearing from our great audience on Facebook. Love the show, guys. I listen to it in the morning to start my day off. Keep up the great work. Awesome. Thank you, you, Clayton. That's cool to hear. It's fun to hear. We love, we get a kick out of hearing how our audience fits the show into each person's life, like whether it's the, you know, yeah. the, we got the people who are here with us every night for the live setting because they want to engage in the conversation. They want to support what we're doing at MHH. And then we have many thousands who listen after the fact on demand around their schedules. Very cool. Um, Zyka jumping in, becoming a superstar here. Really appreciate you, Thank my you. brother. He says the buildup for this season is tense. Hashtag let them hate. That's right. There's truth to that, Zach, and a big part of it as well is just that how tumultuous 2020 has been in general. And then you take away sports, which is an escape for a vast majority of Americans and a healthy escape for a vast majority of Americans. No OTAs in person, no practices on the field. I mean, free agency in the draft, we're still surviving off of what that little boost gave us. And now you're getting into the real dog days of summer and – Hopefully, you know, we got six weeks, I guess, left until training camp opens, and we're just going to have to keep marching on. That's all we can do. It's exactly it. Yeah, it's it's been a trying first half of this year, considering everything that's went on. And you take sports away, which, like you said, is an outlet for a lot of people, myself included. And also, what other Broncos season has had more anticipation and hype than 2020? And with no practices, nothing to go off of, fans are getting restless. I don't blame you guys at all. I'm restless myself. But that's what it is tense and it is anxiety filled and it is a little, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. We got to get to the season. When it gets here, though, when the Broncos will start winning and shedding all these negative labels, it will make it all the more better, all the more worth it. Robert on YouTube wants to know, do you think all the rookies might lead to problems in 2020 because of inexperience? So the fact that the Broncos are extremely young, especially on the offensive side, Zach, look, we got that's this is a good example of why it's important to temper expectations significantly. Now, that's not to rain on the parade. That's not to throw a wet blanket on on the excitement fans have on Drew Locke and company. It's just that these are rookies. KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy. You've got if Lloyd Cushenberry ends up being a starter this year, which, you know, he probably will be. I still if I'm betting on it today, I'm betting that he is. But Pat Shermer talk about a wet blanket. He, he, on Thursday, when he did his presser, he gushed about the, the, the talent that Cushenberry is, but then pumped the brakes on anointing him as the starter because they haven't had a chance to get any hands on the players yet. They got to see him on the field before they start handing out jobs during press conferences. So in that sense, but even getting back to what he's saying, if he does end up starting, 
I mean, there's three rookies right there, plus the inexperienced relatively of Noah Fant. Plus, I mean, Sutton's a pro bowler, but he's only entering his third year lock, year two. So there is going to be some buffering period. There are going to be some valleys that go along with the right. peak. Now, I'm of the opinion that because it's such a talented and stacked offense, you're going to be cruising more at altitude than these than these valleys, but the valleys will be there. It's just a matter of, are, is this going to be a team talented enough and that has the grit to overcome those those valleys? And I think they will. Perfectly said. And, and yeah, I'm not a person in any facet of my life who likes to paint with a black or white brush. In my opinion, life and football and everything else, it's gray. There's variables. It's a sliding scale. It's fluid. No matter what expression or cliche you want to use, uh, things can change at a moment's notice, especially in a sport like football where there's so much parity from year to year, week to week, game to game. There's going to be moments where Locke looks like a first-year starter. There's going to be moments where he looks like a future pro bowler and everything in between, like Chad said. There's going to be rookie hiccups. Jerry Judy's going to run the wrong route. KJ Hamler's going to drop a ball. I mean, these are going to happen. It's inevitable, but I'm with Chad. There's going to be a lot more good than bad, and Fangio is the perfect guy to have. Talk about mental fortitude and keeping the team focused. He is a no-nonsense, no-BS guy who's already had a year to instill his culture in the team, and he can fight with them through all the adversity they showed last year. They can battle back unlike the previous iterations of the Broncos I am not worried about it there's going to be struggles but everywhere too this is a a whole league-wide pause right now and when the league resumes they're all on the same playing field yep that's important to keep in mind gang the only teams that are slightly at a disadvantage are either teams that are planning on starting a rookie quarterback like Cincinnati or teams that have are installing a new system on either side of the ball but especially on offense That's where you do question a little bit the fairness, or I should say the unfairness, unfortunately, of what the pandemic has done to the league. But in terms of the the spirit of what Zach's saying, none of none of the coaches in the NFL have been able to get hands on these players all year. So in that sense, they are on equal footing. And what you like, though, is that Drew Locke is not sitting on his hands. He's not saying, well, sucks right. we didn't have OTAs. I'm going to go to Cabo. I'm going to hit the Caribbean. I'm going to do my <laughs> thing, and I'll check you guys on July 28th. No, he's rallying the troops. They're practicing the entire playbook. They're not just having throwing sessions. They're operating the full offense. So take some encouragement from that, gang. Derek jumping in with a $5 super. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Derek. He says, with the recent updates with the virus, I guess that's fine, you guys still see the season starting on time. And again, thanks for the content. I just love the Broncos. Our pleasure, Derek. Appreciate the support. And Zach, why don't you answer first, and then I'll just riff off of you. Well, you know, I was always of the opinion, and I meant it genuinely, that there's going to be a season. It might be limited fans or whatever, the way they do it. There's going to be no fans in training camp, but I think there's going to be a season. Though, with these these positive test results, Ezekiel Elliott, a bunch of Cowboys players, a bunch of Texans players that came out today, the more this happens, even though the NFL admittedly is prepared for this, it gives me a little reason to grow apprehensive. I don't want to. I still think there's going to be a season. But if there's another outbreak, Chad, if there's a second wave, if there's a mass infection that goes on, how could you consciously have an NFL season? How could you expect the players to show up and, and risk their personal health and all that? There's a lot of factors that go into play. Right now, though, gun to my head, there will be a season. But if we get into training camp and there's just a whole team that can't practice or that gets infected – how could you go on with the season? How would that be fair? Well, it's no different than the flu season. And now I get that there's not a vaccine for the word that shall go unnamed. However, we're talking about in terms of risk factors, majority of the league, 24 years and younger. And so from in terms of risk, I mean, I I can't remember where I'm trying to think now where I read this, but it was, it was you're basically your odds of if you're 24 years and younger, your odds of biting it due to the word that shall go unnamed are equal as equal to you getting struck by lightning. Now, regardless of that, you have to worry about virulence and, and communicate the, the uh, what's the word I'm just, I'm losing the word contagious aspect of this, right? Cause if it spreads, goes from one, it can spread to two and so on and so forth. That's why, as you said, testing is going to be crucial. Yeah. When, when it happens, when someone, if during the season gets under the weather and contracts this, they're going to have to be, you know, um, segregated from the team, whatever the word is. I don't want to use isolated. the keyword. Isolated. Thank you. And teams are just going to have to go into this season with the understanding that 
there's a if one of our key players gets one of these gets this bug, look, we have two weeks where we have to have a guy we can rely on in their place. And heaven forbid if it hits an entire team, I mean, that's just a, a bridge that the league's gonna have to cross when it gets there. But I do think that season, look, we're sitting here in June, and on Sunday, as far as deaths in the United States, all-time low since March 27th, from the word that shall go unnamed in the United States. It's at an all-time low since March 27th. So I take that as encouragement. Now, does that not mean that there aren't going to be pitfalls and obstacles and little workarounds and peccadilloes that the league and the players are going to have to figure out how to work around? Absolutely. But I still – and. I would be lying to you if I didn't agree with tell you that I agree with Zach that there's at least some doubt and some worry about how is this exactly going to work out. But just bit. know what we know about the NFL. I really don't think they're going to skip this season. Might cut the preseason in half. There might be no fans. Yeah. Might be, but I still think there there will end up being fans in these stands. And it might be at a limited rate and fraction, but we're maintaining for the most part still on this podcast. Not for the most part. We're still maintaining our optimistic posture on what we expect to see from the league. Uh, John, <clears throat> excuse me, jumping back in or jumping in with the $5 super. Really appreciate you, that, John. He says, hope y'all are doing well this evening. Thanks for checking in, man. We're doing well. Zach, you doing well, my friend? I am doing pretty well. And John, if you have a question, uh, be sure to drop it in. We appreciate your donation. Anything you want to know, just uh, holla. We're having a blast, gang. We're sitting here, not only Zach and I hanging out, but we're talking to you guys, talking football, talking Broncos. We There's no place else we'd rather be. Ben jumping in. Really appreciate that super. Thank he you, says, man. is there any chance the Broncos keep four tight ends? Zach, I say yes. I'm more inclined to think it'll end up being three, but yeah. if it ends up being a real log jam in the real sense where guys are just showing out in camp and preseason, then maybe they end up keeping four. I mean, we'll break it down. Fance a lock, the Nets a, bl- a lock, and uh, Michael O's a lock. So, or Albert, Albert O, excuse yeah, me. Albert o. Those three it. are locks. Fumagalic is a replacement level player. Jake, Jake Butt's never going to come back. Uh, you have uh, Austin Forbes, probably a practice squad guy. The fourth guy could be uh, Andrew Beck because he plays fullbacks, plays special teams. He's like the new Janovich. Even so, though, they want to go a little lighter or heavier at offensive line. Cornerback, they'll probably take three. But I can absolutely see Pat Shermer rolling with four, especially if the blocking is subpar. They might want to have the extra guy on the roster just to be a blocker, Chad. So it's, I still think three, but four could happen. Gary Palmer jumping in with a super. Really appreciate you, Gary. you, Gary. So consistent. Every time I see you in the chat, you're showing love on super chat and that does not go unnoticed. He says a podcast worth waiting for. Love you guys. Denver Broncos for life. Hashtag state of being. Yeah. Sorry guys. Once in a blue moon, things come up and we got to keep you waiting. And we're grateful that, you take that uh, attitude toward it. We do appreciate that. Um, Buana, I don't know. Thank you. We got Terry jumping in up in Canada, proving, as always, that Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is. Hashtag right there, you guys. State of being. Appreciate you, Terry. Broncos world. Just showing some love on Super Chat. Just being the foundational linchpin member of this community that he is. And our friend James also jumping in, showing some love across Thank the you. pond, saying uh, to put a more positive spin on it, it's not the worst time for the Broncos to come out of a rebuild with a cost-controlled offense on rookie deals. Excellent point. Excellent point, James. And, I mean, who's the highest-paid guy? I guess Juwan James, followed by Graham Glasgow, two offensive linemen. Everyone else, for the most part, well, Melvin Gordon, on rookie deals, Ugh. with the exception of Melvin Gordon. So that is a silver lining, and we'll call it a tender mercy from the football gods. Yeah, they have a brief window of a couple of years for most of these guys, including Locke is on the rookie contracts. I mean, Philip Lindsay's making peanuts right now, and, and even then he's going to be a restricted free agent uh, next offseason. They will, they will control his rights. Uh, they are on a very good path by drafting right and building from within. You know, they're, they're using the draft and free agency both to combine to build the offense. And this is their window, though. If they want to compete, they want to win a title, I think it has to happen the next three years, four years at, at the most. Christy jumping in, showing some love from up at MHH Mount Rushmore. That's right. That's right. And especially like Stu, after a Sunday night podcast that she was extremely, extremely generous. We sure appreciate you, Christy. And uh, we're going to have to get you on the show here again. So you had your uh, exposure to the first time under the lights, as it were. 
And the next time it's going to be smooth sailing. We'll be in touch with you soon. KP jumping in, showing some love. Appreciate that. My friend, he says, PFF is a joke. If we base them for our fantasy draft, we would be in bad shape. And somehow we would be getting a holding call from bulls. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's the grades with PFF. It's the grades and their analysis which is kind of forged around, as Zach talks about, a kind of Broncos bias. I mean, that's the only thing we can take from it because it doesn't add up. It's not rational. Their advanced metrics, some of their advanced uh, advanced statistics, which have nothing to do with the eye test. It's simply, did it happen? Check the box. You know, you're adding up stats. How many tackles did a guy get? You can't, I mean, the stat is the stat. So those advanced metrics can be very informative, but they're, Grade Zach, arbitrary, and frankly, the more that time marches on, the less credible they end up being to media types like us. Yeah, I, I they've gotten a lot more hot takey over the last year, and that's not their job. We don't go to them for their opinions. We go to them for their numbers and their facts. And even at the height of their popularity and credibility, they were still not the end-all be-all. They were just a tool to have and part of the process. People take their word as gospel, though, and I don't. I mean, even for the grading system, it's all subjective. They have opinions, and they have brains, and they have eyes just as we do, and they form those numbers around their own opinions but last year i don't know what happened chad they, they want to just keep up with the uh the trendy thing of having these different kinds of hot takes and, and throwing right. these things out there it, it's gone against what they established themselves to be so right take, take take that for what it's worth that's a great way of putting it actually they they established themselves to be the thinking man's website you know the advanced analytics the deep dive etc breaking down the game and now they're trending more toward hot take artists and it's just there's enough of those. We don't need you to add to that. Exactly. Manny Wise jumping in, showing some love on Super Chat. Appreciate you, Manny. Thank and you, he Manny. also has a comment here. Hopefully the in-game coaching will be a lot better. Speaking of, obviously, to last year, the Denver Broncos rolling with first-time head coach, first-time coordinator. There were some – on the offensive side, there were some pitfalls, right? There was a trial-and-error learning curve. And you could tell, Zach, just from that first quarter of the season, the first four weeks in which the Broncos went 0-4, you look at that version of Fangio as an in-game tactician compared to the final four games, and it was night and day. So I take that to mean that, you know, on at least on Fangio's side, it's going to be a lot smoother sailing. He's acclimated and, and gotten used to calling plays from the sideline. Remember, before he came to Denver, his 19 years – or excuse me, his, his 20 years as a coordinator in the league – 19 of those in the in the box in the booth so it was hard for him took some time to acclimate seeing the field having having the right feel for the moment when you're not bird's eye view you're on the ground level even though he minimized that as a consideration zach it was obvious that that took some getting used to for fangio and by the time the season was over i think he did get used to it yeah, it's, it's not an easy job at all because he's used to con- coaching one side of the ball, whereas as the head coach, he's coaching all three sides, including special teams. The difference this year, though, he doesn't have to worry about Scangarello or any young um, – unproven coaches. He has Pat Shermer, who he can trust. He was a former head coach. He can pretty much say, Pat, handle the offense. I'll deal with the defense. He has a Donatel. There wasn't a lot of uh, coaching turnover either, except for Brandon Staley, pretty much. So he's bringing into his second year the majority of his coaching staff, and you know, minus Pat Shermer, the quarterback's coach. It's just a feel for it, his comfortability level, and that will only grow the more he's at the job. Our friend Callie Dave jumping in, one of our superstars in the community, showing some love. Really appreciate that, Thank you, Dave. Dave. We missed you last night, but I know duty called. He says, cautiously excited about the team, but the possibilities have me sitting on the edge of my chair. Hashtag AFC championship game. Ooh. That would be cool, man. Yeah, I mean, look, I haven't seen a, this this fan base as excited for a football season since Peyton was in town. Yeah. And you know, that's saying something. And Drew Locke, he's the that's who's got this this fan base excited again. And then of course all the moves that the Broncos made in the offseason, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. Everyone's stoked. We just need to get these these fellows back out on the grass. And unfortunately, we're six weeks away from that being a reality, but it'll be here before you know it. 
Raise your hand, though, if you had the Titans in the AFC title game last year. You, you, ne- you never really know what's going to happen if a team gets hot th- at the right time, and it's all based on quarterback like Tannehill proved, you can make a run deep into the postseason. And if the Broncos, if they have that top 10 offense, they have a top 5, top 10 defense, it's not crazy to say, Chad, stranger things have happened in the NFL in recent years. Yep. Let's grab James jumping back in from across the pond. You don't have to do that, my brother, but we really appreciate you. That's right. Very much an ambassador for MHH and the Broncos, uh, Broncos country, Bronco land, Bronco world. He says, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Denver Broncos proudly bring to you the soon to be four time champions of the world. The new age offense hashtag Broncos world. Hey man. We love that. And by the way, speaking of, I thought what, you know, I didn't read this before I read it out loud. I thought he was going to bring up the new, new partnership the Broncos have with FanDuel. Now they sent out a press release, announced it today. This is on Monday. For those of you listening after the fact that they've struck a deal with the gambling slash fantasy slash, you know, betting site. It's the first of its kind. It's now legal, of course, in the state of Colorado. So the Broncos quickly saw an opportunity and struck while the iron was hot. And just just like when the football season's here, Zach, right, when it rolls around, every podcast, including ours, we've we've had FanDuel, we've had DraftKings as sponsors on our podcast in the past. You can't listen to a podcast or read a, a digital article without a FanDuel or DraftKings ad. They're ubiquitous during the football season. And guess what? It's only going to get more intense. If any, if you're anywhere close to or inside of, of Empower Field at Mile High, you're going to just be inundated with FanDuel. But just know that it's it's helping the Broncos revenue wise, especially with uh, legalized gambling becoming more and more prevalent around the country, and there's less restrictions, and it's being more mainstream now. But the Broncos tend to get in front of most things. They were out there marching when teams weren't marching. I believe they made June 19th a, a, a holiday for them, a paid employee holiday to honor some of their uh, African American employees and stuff like that. They are a really a forward-thinking franchise, and they are in good hands PR-wise. And I, I like the way they're operating from the business sense, not just from the, the football side. Let's grab Brandon Cook, who asked this question a couple times. So, you know, persistence is key. It often gets you what you want. So we appreciate you, Brandon. What do you think about fake crowd noise, Chad and Zach? Love from Salt Lake. Hate it. So, so the idea, if there are... I assume what you're getting at, Brennan, is if there are no fans or or less fans in the stands, the idea of pumping in crowd noise to create the environment and ambiance players are accustomed to, Zach, you hate it? I mean, I can understand piping in the incomplete chant when the Broncos are at home. But if you ever play Madden and turn the commentators off, all you hear is the field noise, the uh, the plays, the helmets cracking. I want to hear that. I don't want to hear fake cheers and, and video game level sound effects coming into the stadium. I want to hear the players. I don't know how the delay is going to work because they'll be cursing up a storm, but I want to hear how you know, the, the, the coaches are barking on the sideline, the players barking on the field. I want to hear that. No, no crowd noise for me. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence just because – you know, if it ends up being either no fans or significantly minimized fans, we're in uncharted waters. And, you know, these players very much feed off of the energy and that they get from the crowd. And so I do kind of feel for them. And you can say, look, they're making millions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of dollars. They can find a way to compete at a high level and give it their all, whether there's fans in the stands or not. And I think you're right at the at the end of the day, if you take that kind of perspective, but you know, you get into the dog day, the, the the clutch moments of a game and guys are tired. You're in minute 48 of a 60-minute game. And, you know, that's when players really need that boost. And I don't know if fan noise would necessarily do it, an artificial auditory yeah. trigger maybe. I don't know. But I'm at least open to the idea just because, Zach, we are in uncharted waters. I just think it's it's such a mental, you know, psychological sport where if the players know there's not going to be fans in the stands and they know it's fake noise, will that really motivate them? Will that pump them up uh, compared to getting that raw feeling of the crowd roaring, knowing they're making plays in front of 70,000, 80,000 fans? It's all subjective. It's everyone's opinion. I just am not for that. We got to grab Ron Dub showing some love, one of our Super Chat superstars. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate you, Ron. He says, hey, guys, the Judy and Hamler videos have me hyped. Do you see an average of 30 to 35 points per game, a top five offense? Why not 
I'm ready for football again. Well, let's do some math real quick, Zach. In 2013, the Denver Broncos set an all-time record for the most points scored in a season. It was 606 points. Let's divide that by 16 games. So the average, you can't see that. Let me just see. You can't see it. There it is. That's basically the average 38 points a game with the best all-time, okay, ever. Now, of course, there's a few defensive scores thrown in and a few field goals and this and that. But still, 38 points, the best that it's ever been. Zach, 30 to 35 points a game, I just don't see that as being a realistic expectation. Now, Ron, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you're pie-in-the-sky fan or anything like that. I think it's a little too optimistic. However, Zach, I do think there are going to be plenty of games in this season where Locke and the Broncos, kind of like that Week 14 trip to Houston, are going to eclipse the 30-point barrier, and they're going to be, I believe, when the dust settles on the season, they will be one of the higher-scoring teams in the league. Their schedule's not easy, but their defense is legit, and it's a it's an offense that is just – it's an embarrassment of riches. It's a smorgasbord. So at some point, something's got to give, and it's really only if Locke ends up just completely stepping on his you-know-what does this season end up being a true disappointment. And I don't think anyone really sees that happening, just what we know about the kid between the years, the intangibles. I don't think they're going to allow that to happen. I agree on both counts, and I actually wrote about this because CeeDee Lamb with the Cowboys thought they're going to average 40 points a game this year, and I wanted to deep dive and see what teams averaged what last season. Only one team, which was the Ravens, cracked the 30s, and that was 33.9 a game, and that was Lamar Jackson's MVP season. That was an outlier, so it's going to take a lot, I think, for the Broncos to hit that mark. I mean, the Chiefs, uh, they were only at 28.2, the Niners at 29.9, the Saints at 28.6. It's really tough to get into the 30s. Like Chad said, though, there's going to be times where they're going to break 30, maybe even a 40-burger, but don't expect 30 a game. Expect maybe 24-25, and that's still a touchdown difference over what they did last year. KP jumping in. Picadellos is the word of the day. Hey, there you have it. I know sometimes we use uh, unique words on this podcast, and you know what's funny, Zach? I can't tell you. I've received multiple emails from listeners. And by the way, at any point, you guys reach out to us, milehighhuddle at gmail.com. We're happy to hear from you. But I've received multiple, we have received multiple emails from listeners who actually, they mention one of the things they appreciate about our podcast is that they actually learn new words. And this was a surprise mm. to me. Like, this was something I was like, oh, really? Like, And I'm not saying this patting ourselves on the back. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying. This is not a flex. It was news to, to us to realize that that was even something that people are picking out or noticing about our podcast. So there is your word of the day, KP. You're welcome. John jumping in, showing some love, the bona fide super chat superstar that he is. Really appreciate that, John. And this might be one of those nights that has been often for John where he pops in, shows some love, pops out, and then listens to the podcast on demand after the fact. But if you have anything on your mind, by all means, man, drop it in the chat stream. Nick, good to see you, my friend. Rocking uh, the safety setup. That's good. That's good. <laughs> hey, man, you need the, one of those MHH masks. That's that's what would make your setup. HuddleUpPod.com. HuddleUpPod.com, indeed. Dennis Woods jumping in, showing some love as well. Appreciate you, you Dennis. Dennis. Call you D-Dub. $5 Super. He says, thanks to you guys. I get my Broncos fixed from you each night. You are great. Hashtag state of being from Michigan. Very cool. Very cool. Up in uh, Detroit Lions neck of the woods. Dennis, that means a lot. We appreciate you. Kathy, she uh, says, I'll cheer loudly from the great state of Washington. And this is what I mean, gang, that Broncos country, when we say it, it's not just a fun little catchphrase that we can put on a T-shirt or a logo. Broncos country is everywhere. And it is not a geographic location. Now, that's the the home base, if you will, right? It is. There's a reason it's called the Denver Broncos. But the fan base, and I think a lot of it has to do probably, Zach, with how successful the team was in the late 90s, finally, with those back-to-back world championships, what Tebow did to increase scrutiny on the Broncos, and then Peyton Manning just took that to a whole other level. And the ranks of Broncos country have just grown over time, and it's really cool to see. 
you know, it's it's blown me away. Some of seeing the locations of some of the fans chat in the Philippines and Japan and and literally Australia, Germany, England. Broncos fans they travel well, they cheer well. It's truly a Broncos world, and and for my money, they're the best fans on the planet in any sport. All right, where are we sitting? We're at fifty six. All right, if you guys have any other questions you want in any other topics, get them in. We're about out of time for tonight. While we're on the topic of uh, that Bleacher Report article talking about the Bronco, oh, real quick, we got to grab this because I don't want to run out of time and miss her. We got Bobby showing some love. Thank you. Very generous, super. She That's says, awesome. Hi, guys. Sorry I'm late. Just got home from work. Love MHH family. Go Broncos. Very sweet. Means a lot to us, Bobby. So thank you. Better late than never and appreciate your generosity yeah. as always and your support. Um, Brian wants to know, can we talk about his comment at 916, please? Buana, I don't know if it's possible for you to grab that. I have no idea what he's talking about. So I got it right here, I think. I okay. think it was his question. Okay. I feel very confident Drew Locke will do his job and do it well this year. I'm predicting 4,500 yards plus yards and less interceptions than you guys think. Thoughts? And Brian, of course, is a longtime listener of the podcast is a bona fide Super Chat superstar and actually owns this channel's all-time biggest Super Chat donation. So, Brian, we really appreciate you, my friend. He says, um, I don't know, I mean, 4,500-plus yards, I think it's possible. I think it's within the realm of possible. But those type of numbers, it would have to be a scenario, Zach, I think, where literally everything, every (laughs) domino falls just perfectly for the Broncos. But don't forget, Brian, there's a reason the Broncos went out and signed Melvin Gordon. It's not just because of his pass catching acumen. They plan on running the ball a lot to take some pressure off of their second year quarterback. Yeah, it's I'm high on lock, but I'm not that high on him yet. That's a lot of yards. That would mean, like Chad said, just 300 yards a game. I don't know what the average would be over 16 games, but it's it's a lot. It's a lot to put on a, a first year starter as well. 3,800 yards, 3,900 yards, maybe even 4,000 yards. That would entail a 10, 11 win season. It would probably make him Pro Bowl caliber as a first year starter. 4,500 though, a little too optimistic from my point of view. Appreciate that, Greg. On Facebook, showing some love. We really do appreciate you, my friend. All right, let's grab one or two more here. Uh, Jovan on Facebook. Sorry if I mispronounced your name, my friend. What's good, gents? Do you think Justin Sternad will start this year? And JJ's footwork, OMG, or KJ, hashtag state of being, hashtag Arizona. Very cool, very cool. I love it when people let us know when they use the hashtag state of being where they are because it just helps bring it all together. Um, Justin Sternad, we've touched on this in previous episodes, Javon, but we think there is an outside chance that by season's end, he could end up supplanting Todd Davis as a starter opposite of Alexander Johnson. And if not in a nominal sense where he's named a starter, maybe not that, but in a literal snap count sense, he's on the field more than Todd Davis because of nickel sub packages. He just is going to be able to run around and cover a lot more efficiently than Todd Davis. So I remain, I'm not necessarily predicting it at this stage. It's way too early for that. We don't know. We, we want to see Justin Sternad in the flesh on the field, yeah. practicing in the system with the coaches. Let's see it happen first, but it wouldn't surprise me if late in the season, he ends up or even halfway through the season, Zach supplanting Todd Davis, but don't underestimate the motivational power of a veteran going into a contract year. And that is Todd Davis. So don't sleep on him, perhaps just knocking it out of the park in what is almost certain to be his last year in Denver. I'm right there with Chad. Yeah, I think toward the tail end of the year, he'll get starting opportunities. He's going to get snaps regardless. He's a a sideline-to-sideline coverage linebacker. He can do way more, obviously, than Todd Davis. But 2021 and forward, that was a pick for the future. And Cernad will be the future starter next to A.J. Johnson. And you're talking about a young, dynamic set of inside linebackers and really just the cherry on top, Chad, of what will be a lethal elite defense for years to come. All right, guys. We got to get out of here for tonight. I know we said that we would take a little bit more time tonight, let our hair down, keep the questions coming. But because we had to start late due to some technical difficulties, we got to cut this one short. But do not let your heart be troubled. We'll be back Wednesday night in the saddle, dropping knowledge, doing our thing, talking Broncos, chit-chatting with you guys. So we'll be back. 
In the meantime, though, make sure you are following the podcast, guys, on Twitter. As I mentioned on Sunday night's show, we are inching closer to a, a 2,000, I think, yeah, 2,000 followers on the podcast account on Twitter. So help us get there, gang. Make sure you're following. That's how you stay plugged in with everything that's happening with this show in real time. And while you're at it, don't forget to follow the main account at Mile High Huddle. And also, gang, you've, you've been doing a really good job of this. You're checking out the articles. We're doing. We're trying to be more cognizant of sharing the actual written articles on our YouTube community board. And you guys are clicking that. You're going there. You're reading it. It's been great to see that. While you're there, make sure you, you log in, leave some comments, engage with us at milehighhuddle.com. It's very helpful to us, and it only just helps the community grow. So keep doing that. And, Zach, I know we're sitting here Monday night. My friend, have a great start to your week, and we'll, of course, talk again on Wednesday. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, we have some news to go on, go off of, and uh, maybe we'll get another uh, Zoom presser. Maybe Fangio will enlighten us with more Broncos news. So, looking for regardless, though, we'll talk Broncos. We'll get Fangio might be a little uh, not excited to put his, you know, get out in front of a camera anytime in the near future himself. After the last time he did, he kind of stepped in it, as we all know. (laughs) But I'm with you. Hopefully, he can make someone available this week, and and we get a little something, something there. But uh, make sure you're following my partner gang on Twitter at Kelberman NFL. You can check me out at Chad and Jensen. All right, guys, we got to get out of here for Zach Kelberman. I'm Chad Jensen. We will talk to you guys. You've been listening to the Huddle Up podcast. Join Broncos country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.